Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Hi, my name is Stan Pons, and I'm so blessed to be the host, the Bible teacher of Make It Clear. You're listening to the program. It's an unusual program today, because usually I'm teaching through the Bible. But today, I want you to meet a very special friend of mine. He's a friend that went to Florida Bible College, and I'm now the president of Florida Bible College. And I'm always excited to be able to interview those folks that have been a part of the school and have gone on and stayed strong for the Lord all these years. Our particular friend this year is Jim Rankin, and I'd like you to know that Jim has come to Florida Bible College and then through the course of life and the leadership of the Lord in his life, really brought him through a wonderful route of working as a United States Marine, and he'll tell you about that in a moment. And now he is the lead teacher in the high school department at Texas Christian Schools in Houston, Texas. What a fine school that is, teaching young men and women about the Word of God, also about academics also about how to relate better to one another and to be the kind of Christian leaders that God would have them to be. Now, the reason we're having Jim on our program today is because Florida Bible College is getting ready to have their yearly Grace and Truth Conference. Now, grace is for encouragement and truth is to instruct. Well, every year at Florida Bible College, when they have their Grace and Truth Conference, they change the theme so that every year there's something fresh and new under Grace and Truth. This year, our theme is Issues from the World of Science and Answers from the Word of God and Science. And I truly could think of no better person to be able to speak on this issue, one who has certainly studied the issues for many, many years. He's been on archaeological digs. We'll talk a little about that in a moment. But let's meet our friend right now. This is Jim Rankin. Jim, welcome to Make It Clear. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's good to have you on our program. Tell us a little bit in just a few sentences. How did you come to faith alone in Jesus Christ? How did you become a Christian? Well, real quickly, um, I was a uh, a product of a uh, troubled household, and I ran into a Florida Bible College graduate who took me in as a foster child and led me to the Lord at the age of 14. That's exciting to know that, the, again, opening up his heart and his home, taking you in, modeling, mentoring, and ministering to you, I guess we could say, uh, the message of the Word of God. And I'm sure that had a profound effect on your life. And, and then I sense you grew up, and then you went on into Florida Bible College yourself. Is that correct? Correct. I, I went there in the uh, fall of 79. Uh, my wife became pregnant with our first daughter. She unfortunately has a rare disease called uh, thrombocytopenia. We were not able to finish. The Lord had other plans. I left FBC after my first year, and he threw me in the Marine Corps. That's interesting. You know, and I know that as a student in a Bible college, that is a very arduous task. And yet at the same time, you're committed to your family and all your girls are walking with the Lord. And that really shows great, great parenting that you and Leslie, your wife, has done on them and with them and for them. And I know they love you deeply for that. Well, tell us about the Marine Corps. You went into the Marine Corps and, and uh, what, were your, what was your rank while you were in the Marine Corps? Well, I like all Marines, I started off as a private. And by the time I reached my career, end of my career, I'd never planned on 20 years. But after 20 years, uh, I was in the intelligence community for about 18 years of that. Um, I was a uh, openly uh, spy, basically. Uh, my job was to do imagery of the enemy, take take pictures and interpret the pictures. And then I retired in imagery as one of the leaders, uh, specially trained in certain fields as a Marine Corps master sergeant. They offered me the next promotion, but at the same time, they were offering me that. Another Florida Bible alumni said, I need you to come teach in Houston Christian, or excuse me, a Texas Christian in Houston, Texas. And that was 18 years ago. So I left a 20-year career to come here and start another career's teaching. 
It's interesting because I've been to the school and I've observed the students and I've seen that these truly are Christian champions in the making. And I am very impressed with the philosophy of Texas Christian School, as well as the staff and faculty and what you're doing there to help educate the next generation of leaders. But now, as you're a Texas Christian, I know you've taught a lot of classes, those of you that have been involved in any type of Christian education in schools, that uh, you really have to wear a lot of hats from coaching to teaching to cleaning out other stuff. So I know you do that. But the real question I want to know, since you're our guest speaker at the Grace and Truth Conference at Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Why don't you tell us, how did you really get excited about creation science? So tell us about that. Well, a few years ago, more like 10 years ago, we had a teacher here and she had a survey. It was to test your faith. You know, what was your faith like in, in God's word and the scripture and stuff? And so she handed me it and I looked at it and I, so I filled out this quick survey and maybe I wasn't paying attention to the questions or what, but she graded it and came back and said, Oh, Mr. Rankin, I have bad news. And I thought she was kidding. She goes, you have a terrible score on faith. Your faith in the scriptures, your faith in the Lord is just, it's almost a zero. And I, I looked at her and I said, you can't be, that can't be serious. And it plagued me for days. And I kept saying, okay, Lord, I know I have faith. Why is it that I scored so low in this faith thing? Well, I got the questionnaire back from her. She was doing it for part of her master's in Christian education. And I got the questionnaire back and I started to read it. And what I noticed was I was leaning on science that I had learned from high school, which was evolutionary science and not Christian, not creation science. And once I caught wind of that, I said, well, wait a minute. I don't believe in evolution. I believe in creation. But yet I was tricked by the questions in that I had an evolutionary mindset. I had been evolutionized hmm. with evolution and didn't realize it until I took this test. Well, tell me now, you took that test, you realized who you were, but you had to dig deeper so you wouldn't just be a creationist because that sounded good or you read the first couple of chapters of Genesis. I know you're someone who is a, we might call a, a creation scientist. So tell us what that means. Well, basically, to become a creation scientist, you start, a, it's a research project. You start to investigate. I stopped taking anybody's face value word. If somebody said the earth was 6,000 years old, I asked this question, how do you know it's 6,000 years old? Show me some evidence. So I started on a quest to find evidence to either prove the earth was 6,000 years old or prove it was millions of years old. Not that I supported evolution, but I wanted to be able to, to defend it and say, no, the earth is only this old and have evidence, not just, you know, because the Bible says so. Not that I don't believe the Bible. Of course, I believe the Bible. It's the uninspired word of God. It's unerred. It's, it's, it's right all the time. But I wanted scientific facts that I could back up with scripture and say, yes, this is proof, not only scripturally, but scientifically, this is how old the earth is, or there was a global flood, or there was an original Adam and Eve, or that we didn't descend from monkeys, and there was dinosaurs and men walking the earth at the same time. I wanted facts, and I did just, I just did not want somebody to tell me that I wanted to see it for myself. That's how I got into paleontology. That's how I got to digging up dinosaur bones and finding artifact, human artifact with dinosaur bones in the same burial, in the same layers, buried in the same ground, not planted, because I know I moved a ton of dirt above it, and I was the first one to find that bone and find that artifact. Now, when you did this, you began to be someone that I would say you studied the books, you learned from the books, you made sure you researched the material to get the, the correct answers or the answers, and at the same time, you wanted to have a hands-on experience by going out to archaeological digs where there were to be some archaeological findings, and then you paid your dues, not once, not twice, but how many times on those digs that you went on for those special uh, dinosaur bones, we might say? 
I have been over the last 10 years, probably on 15 different digs. And tell us a little bit about your most exciting dig, the one that really just opened your eyes and just helped reinforce what you've already been studying. We were digging in Montana. We were digging on a uh, site that we, they, the people that owned the site, the museum there is called the Creation Museum of Montana and uh, Glenn Dive, Montana. And they, the guy, Otis, Dr. Otis Brown said, listen, this ground is prime with stuff. We don't know where anything is, but you just have, he just picked the side of this cliff and said, Jim, start digging right here. Yeah, I don't know if we'll find anything, but give it a shot. Five minutes into the dig, I find that a toe bone of a T-Rex. It's the first bone. He let me keep it. I can hang on to it as long as I use it for teaching purposes. I can't, I can't ever copy it and sell it for anything, but I have a T-Rex toe bone that I actually found. That's like strike, striking gold. I couldn't believe my luck. And also, three years ago, I found the second the second ankylosaurus skull ever found, I discovered, in Colorado on a dig with Dr. Baugh. And that just sealed my fate as far as within the paleontology community. They all see me and recognize me, nicknamed me the bone finder because I find bones what other people can't. I don't know how it is. Give it a gift. Call it a gift from God or just dumb luck. Maybe it's dumb luck. All right, I'm going to play a little bit on the opposition for a moment. What would you say to someone who then says to you, okay, you're quick, you found those bones, you worked hard, et cetera. Now, how do you know that someone didn't plant them there? Well, like I said, I move you when you are digging in the ground, it's it's like anything. You have a bunch of dirt above it. There's layers within the ground. Those layers contain bones. There we the evolutionary community calls them like the crustaceous area, the Jurassic area, those types of area. Well, we know those as layers that were laid down by the flood very rapidly. And we know layers above that have no bones in it because historically those layers, the either the acidity of the, the mud or the rock that's in that layer dissolve the bones, but there's no bones in these layers above. We call that the overburden. When you off of an area onto a layer and then you start to slowly using a screwdriver and a paintbrush and, and a patiche, which is another rock hammer, and you're just slowly removing the dirt and rock until you find your first bone. And when you find your first bone, it's dramatic. It's like finding a golden nugget in the ground. You know, you just uncovered it. No one was there before you because no one put all this dirt on top of it and, and had you find it. Because you can tell when dirt has been disturbed and moved. And you say, oh, somebody's been here, bulldozer, put all this dirt on here, and you hit these bones. No, we were moving virgin dirt, virgin earth, overburden. And once we moved that overburden, we were able then and then found those bones. Now, do you keep every bone you find, or is some of this to be placed for public observation? Tell me about that. 99% of the bones that I've found are now belong into three different museums. The museum with Dr. Baugh and Glenn Rose, the museum in Glenn Dive, and the Chicago Natural History Museum. There's bones in all three of those from my discoveries. If you could only go on one more dig in your whole life, what dig would you go on, and why would you want to go on that particular dig? There's a current dig outside of the city of Jerusalem with the Muslims building the temple. They have uncovered thousands of artifacts. Artifacts are different from bones. When you dig up bones, you're a paleontologist. When you dig up artifacts by man, you're an archaeologist. Well, a good friend of mine, you meet these people in the different fields. He is an archaeologist. They discovered bone fragments, which we we were believing, or we are believing, that these bone fragments were probably some of the animals sacrificed at the Temple Mount during the time of Christ. And I would love, because it's not just digging dinosaur bones. When we find mastodon bones, which the mastodon just died out a few 
100 years ago. When we find other bones of giant bison, which just died out here in Texas less than 150 years ago, when we find these bones, that's fascinating because it's a glimpse in the past of what used to be here. And then how did it die? Why was it there? How did it get buried? All those questions just bring more. So if I had one last thing, it'd be in Israel. That would be great. That sounds very, very fascinating because there's, I'm sure, a lot of things. In fact, I believe you know what a tell is. A tell is like a mound that has different, sometimes, civilizations under it. And a lot of times, those archaeologists like to dig through all of that, particularly hoping to find maybe even the garbage dump because that's where most of the stuff is thrown and they can go through that. But you're not an archaeologist. Uh, you are really a paleontologist. Is that correct? Correct. But the two kind of go hand in hand in many ways, because when you find a T-Rex gut cavity and you find human artifacts inside that gut cavity, what does that tell you? That tells you that man walked the planet the same time T-Rex walked the planet. So when you find a T-Rex uh, rib cage, it's got a, a, a handmade or a stone spearhead from an Indian from one of the Indian tribes in Montana, and it's stuck in the side of this rib of this dinosaur, this T-Rex in South Dakota, and I'm talking about T-Rex Sioux and specifically, guess what? That tells you the two walk together. So when they say man lived, the dinosaurs lived 93 million years ago and man didn't come along the scene until 3 million years ago, that's a false statement. And we have evidence to prove that is a false statement. Now, when you say that you're a creationist, there are different kinds of creationists, are there not? Yes. You have creationists that believe in a more theistic evolutionary. They think God created the world. He's the natural starter. He initiated the Big Bang, so to speak. And that, the, that evolution is just the natural process that God has allowed for things to evolve over time. And they're theistic evolutionists. Gap theory is there, there are groups of Christians that believe between Genesis 1 and Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. And 2 starts off, as the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. That's the gap. They say there was a gap that God first created the heavens and the earth. Then there was millions of years. And then God recreated the earth with man and Adam and Eve and stuff like that. Why that's not only biblically unsound, but scientifically unsound is, one, that means death was on earth before Adam sinned, which would go against what God said, and that goes against Scripture, and so therefore you have a problem. The second is the evidence does not support millions of years. We have things called geological clocks. A clock is something that we measure the passage of time. We use a radiocarbon dating as a clock. We can use the solar system as a clock. We certainly use the Aztecs to use our own galaxy as a clock. And so you have geoclocks where there are river erosions or mountain depressions or volcanic eruptions and things like that. When you have all these clocks and all of them point to a very young earth, then both scripture says it's 6,000 years and now science says it's 6,000 years. Why on earth would any Christian think that the gap theory was an accurate theory when in fact science goes against it and scripture goes against it? Probably the most prevalent thinking is hearing about, you know, the Grand Canyon and the Colorado River cutting its way through the canyon and getting as deep as it is so that we see this huge chasm there. Uh, what is your response to those people that they think the, the Colorado River cut through the Grand Canyon and created that over millions and millions of years? Uh, what well, is the position? That they have several. There's several issues they have to deal with. The first issue is this. Geologically speaking, the eastern end of the canyon and the western end of the canyon, the eastern end of the canyon is lower than the western end. So the water had to run uphill. 
That's the first problem they have with the Colorado River running uphill, cutting through the ground. The second problem they have is the north rim is anywhere from 90 to 120 feet higher than the south rim of the canyon. So that means water had to run along the side of the hill. And as you know, and I know, and the laws of physics, water can't go uphill unless it's pushed. And water can't run along the side of the hill without running down the hill. So those two issues right there make you suspicious. It did me. Then there's the idea, well, the flood caused the Grand Canyon. Well, if the flood caused the Grand Canyon, why aren't there Grand Canyons all over the world? Why isn't the Mississippi River Valley a Grand Canyon? Why isn't the uh, the, uh, the Nile River Valley a Grand Canyon? See, the Grand Canyon we now know from Mount St. Helens, which, which erupted in 1979, God gave us a window of an opportunity to say, listen, I'm going to show you how the Grand Canyon happened in 30 days. Two giant lakes, like our own five great lakes, but two giant lakes of which we have recognized, they have now geologically recognized both of these lakes as one called the Grand Lake and the other is called Lake Hopi. Hopi Lake is where we find all the petrified wood down in Arizona. Well, these two lakes were on a hydraulic lift of a plateau. When the Colorado Mountains started to sink, hydraulics lifted. When one goes down, it pushes another one up by magma. In the Grand Canyon, I was just there this fall, uh, there's lava flows in the canyon. And if you're an evolutionist, the lava flows are older than the canyon. Figure that one out. So anyways, the canyon was, the whole plateau was lifted along with these two giant lakes. Well, it wasn't lifted level. It was tilted. Well, when you've got a lake as big as Lake Michigan, which is 900 and some feet deep, and you were to empty that lake with a catastrophic breach of its dam, all that water's coming out real fast. Well, guess what water does? Water is the greatest eroder and cutter known to man. That's how the Grand Canyon, that theory, that lifted plate theory and breach lake theory is Dr. Walt Brown's theory. And now geologists are sitting back and looking at it going, one, there's no way the Colorado River could have carved it out because of the fact it had to go uphill and on the side of a hill. And two, the Colorado River is too small of a river to cut a mile wide and a mile deep. You would need not millions of years. You would need billions of years. Well, billions of years. If you want the Colorado River to carve that canyon out, there are a lot of geological problems, side canyons, barbed canyons. And to go into all that detail is a little deep right now. But let's just say this. You're asking a drip, a trickle of water to create a canyon, and it's not possible. The Colorado River is in the bottom of the Grand Canyon because the Grand Canyon was there first. The Colorado River just naturally fell down into it and drained it. It did not carve it. Most geologists today, and I was just at the canyon talking, to the, the rangers live there, and they all agree the can't the Colorado River didn't do it. They're all leaning towards some kind of catastrophic lake breach theory. They don't like Walt Brown because he's a Christian and not a. If Walt Brown was an evolutionist and he claimed evolution, he said, "Hey, I've solved it." They would buy his leak, bre- uh, breach lake theory in a blink of an eye. But because he's a Christian, they refuse to acknowledge it. Man, this is fascinating, and I'm sure those that are listening to our program really are interested in this and would love to have the opportunity to ask you questions. So let me just say again to the listeners, you're listening to Make It Clear. This is a program specifically designed with you in mind to be able to take God's Word, and as you discuss it with other people, that you will be able to make your message clear. Our guest speaker is Jim Rankin. He is the lead teacher uh, in the high school department at Texas Christian Schools in Houston, Texas. But he's also not only our guest here, I make it clear, but he is also the conference speaker for Florida Bible College in Orlando for their Grace and Truth Conference. And this year's Grace and Truth Conference is called Issues from Science 
and answers from the Word of God and Scripture, the Bible. Now, when he comes, he's going to be with us for our Grace and Truth Conference. And if you're listening to this or you have friends in the area of Orlando, why don't you have them come? The date of that conference is going to be February the 3rd. It's going to be held right on campus at Florida Bible College from 8.30 until 3.30 in the afternoon. It's a Saturday. Easy to find off I-4. Again, go to our website. That will be floridabiblecollege.com or makeitclear.org, and you'll get information about that conference so that you can be a part of it. Again, we're speaking with Jim Rankin, whose main passion and education, teaching, seminars, all of that is found in the area of creation science. So let's talk a little bit about your ministry. Now, you not only teach at the school, you not only continue obtaining more research and information and going on these digs and studying it, but you also have been out there educating uh, the population, we might say. And so tell us about some books, tell us about some of the seminars, some of the areas that you have spoken, in case some of our listeners would like to uh, meet you and perhaps uh, take advantage of a little bit more of your ministry outside of your Christian school teaching there in Houston. Well, I, I have no published book yet. I am working on a book that I have since learned that the title has already been hijacked by somebody else. So I need to come up with another title. It was going to be The Fingerprints of God. Basically, the concept of the book is looking at science and seeing God's fingerprint on creation. In other words, when you look at that star, you see that was created. That did not happen by an explosion. That is by a divine hand, so to speak. Or when we look at uh, the Fibonacci numbers and how those sequence of numbers didn't happen randomly, but happened by the hand of God. And just just recently talking to a, a student who was struggling with their faith, and I said, listen, when we study creation science, when you study it with me, I will help you increase your faith in God's word, the Bible, because the science supports God's word. The Bible is not a standalone book. It's not a science book. It is a book God gave us for getting through this earth. I like the acronym uh, basic instructions before leaving earth, and that's what it is. But it also has science in it so that when somebody runs into a science question that might contradict the Bible, I'm able to tell the kid, both at the college level and at the high school level, listen, immerse yourself in the faith. First of all, know God's word is true. Second of all, here's the science to prove your faith is not in some hocus pocus. You can rest, you can rest assured that not only is your faith in God standable, it's a foundation, but there's science that says it is. Again, I want to invite you to the Grace and Truth Conference that is going to be held at Florida Bible College, and you'll be able to hear Jim Rankin there. In a few moments, we're going to be asking him some of the topics that he believes are important for people to hear today, especially in the area of creation science. And again, the name of the conference is Grace and Truth, Grace to Encourage, Truth to Instruct, as well as Issues from the World of Science and Answers from the Word of God and Science. So, Jim, tell us a little bit more about what you're going to be speaking on when you teach at the Grace and Truth Conference on February 3rd at Florida Bible College in Orlando, Florida. Some of the topics that I'd like to cover, if time permits, and uh, I don't get too long-winded, does the Bible support evolution or does the Bible support creation? Uh, Does the Bible have science mentioned in it? How can I know how old the earth is? Was there a, a global flood or was it just a local flood? Did man and dinosaurs walk the earth at the same time? What do the fossils tell us about the past? That's a really important clue. How do I defend my faith with science? What evidence do the evolutionists have that supports evolution? And is there life on other planets? And do all the fields of science, what do they say about 
creation as versus, say, catastrophic uh, existence from a Big Bang or something like that? And can science prove that God exists? And then do the fossils say there's millions of years? How about the fact we have starlight that comes from millions of miles away, millions of light years? Doesn't that prove the Earth is millions of years old? And of course, then the last one, I get asked this question a lot, is how many ice ages were there after the flood? So I'll touch on those topics and open it up to questions. I love fielding questions from people from all different kinds of uh, backgrounds because it really strengthens me and makes me study even more. And whenever I'm asked a question, I don't know the answer. I get a thrill out of that because I was like, you know what? I'll get back to you because I that gives me a new avenue to, to research something. Well, Jim, it's so good to have you on today's program. And I really trust that our people want to follow you a little bit more. Again, if you'd like to have information about Florida Bible College's Grace and Truth Conference, where Jim will be speaking on issues from the world of science and answers from the word of God and science, then why don't you go to our website? That's floridabiblecollege.com. And also when you go to the website, check out the classes that we offer. We offer courses online. We offer courses on site. We have hybrid classes where you can do real-time education online with a teacher. You can also download our videos as well so you can be a part of an education. We teach always the Bible, so you're going to get a major in the Bible. But I would really like to encourage you to go just one year for your gap year. All those classes that are designed for a one-year certificate is specifically designed to ground you so you can stand strong and last long when you go to college and go out into college. So you young people, take advantage of that right now. So again, go to FloridaBibleCollege.com. Be sure to look up all the different classes, but especially our Grace and Truth Conference. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and that way you'll be always up to date of the special things that are happening to help you as you present the Word of God, that you will always make it clear. Well, Jim, thanks again for being with us and join us at the Grace and Truth Conference at Florida Bible College on February the 3rd. The conference is free. God bless all of you. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.